Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Big show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a Big Show. Is everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. <laughs> This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. <laughs> Welcome on in. The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Except we got a little bit of an issue right now. We got a little technical issue. So I am PK. You know me. You love me. You want to hear me again, don't you? We're down at Homie, which is, uh, what's the address down here? Somewhere down here. Uh just uh, west of the freeway at about, uh, what would it be, just past where RSL, past the Sandy City Hall, 103rd South, I'm being told. Gordon's actually here, but he's having a little microphone issues, and so I could hear him. So what I'll do is I'll make my presentation, then Gordon will say it, and I'll repeat it on the air, almost like an interpretation. I can hear you fine, but I can hear you through your mouth. So... <laughs> Can Austin, uh, what, how could you say no? He's, Austin just said no. You just said, Austin, can you hear me? And he responded with no. I don't well, know what's going like on. It sounds like you're at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And, and Austin, get this. You called Alex, our tech, by his name. And Gordon, there's only three people in this room, right? And Gordon looks at him and says, are you Alex? Oh, well, gosh. it's either going to be me or this other kid here. So, and he knows my name. I think he knows my name. Don't worry, Alex. He'll forget you by tonight. <laughs> and apparently the whole time for the last two days, he's been calling him Nate for some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> here, here, Gordon, respond. I'm Gordon. Hold on a second. Okay. Now I can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. <laughs> yeah, where'd PK go? <laughs> okay, you got me. Oh man, we are we are suffering right now. Sorry, it is the big show, Austin. If you can hear me now, then uh, then I'm happy that our audience can hear us. Can you hear me? Well, okay. We'll uh, we'll throw uh, to a Kalani Sataki interview. And until we get this uh, technical issue taken care of, take it. How things go out there today? Good. I thought it went really well. Um, you know, for our mock game situation and getting all our guys out there and um, different situations, especially with special teams and everything, I thought it went really well. We we uh, decided not to go live today. Um, in the past, we've even gone live with the uh, young guys towards the end, and I thought uh, looking at what happened. Uh, you know, a few years back in last year, we had a lot of guys get injured, even on our prep squad, and and those guys are very valuable for us in getting us the right look. So uh, today was a little bit more of a, a thud tempo, and uh, from what I saw, is competitive and really good. So I'm really pleased with what our team did today. How healthy have you been? Have you been able to stay? I know that was an emphasis, obviously, with all this. How healthy have you been able to stay during during fall? Well, I think the emphasis on health has been trying to get them um, trained in the weight room and, and with the conditioning. And but we have to be mindful of our players and how much uh, how much the physical part we're putting them through. You know, I have to be mindful of 
um, the live amount, the amount of live reps and um, who's getting them. And so I think having a deliberate um, effort on our staff, being able to just focus on who needs the live reps and who doesn't, and being able to just kind of plan that every day has been nice for our guys. So we've we've had a, a good amount of live reps with the guys that need it the most, and I was just really pleased with this. So I, I, I uh, we'll find out in a week, right? But I, I think that our guys are ready, and uh, we came out of pretty, you know, Obviously, we've had, I think injuries happen, but uh, for the most part, I thought we did a pretty good job as a staff preventing as much as we can. How do you think the depth has developed? Because that's always the emphasis here is to make sure you have as many guys ready as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a really young team. So if you look at probably most, more than half our team are just young newcomers and freshmen, right? So um, I think being able to just put a lot of reps and sinking a lot of effort into them has been really helpful for us in developing depth and we have a lot of young guys on this team that have experience so that's always going to help and then we focused on the peer-to-peer learning and, and having our guys teach each other and um you know it's kind of like when you're preparing something a lesson for church you end up doing learning the most yourself when you're whether speaking in church or or, or, or teaching a class and for those of you that don't know, you probably should give it a shot and see what <laughs> see what I'm talking about. But I, I thought that it, it went really well with our players, and I've been really pleased. I just like the, the culture that they're buying into of, of everyone helping each other and teaching each other. This morning we had a really cool thing. You know, we, were, we were lucky to have Patty Edwards come speak to the team, and that was important that we have uh, that we have to play in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But I thought uh, I'm feeling old because a lot of the guys weren't even born when I was playing, so makes me feel old but I, I that makes me think that I don't know if they really know Lavelle Edwards and who he is as a person so throughout camp we've been really trying to have an emphasis on teaching them more about Lavelle and, and the impact he had on college football but also the person that he was the father and husband that he was and the mentor and coach that he was so having Patty this uh, this morning speak to the team this was a really special treat for our players and they, they were just really excited to have her talk and she did an amazing job so that was a big part of it and I think uh, you know we're, we're going to be back in here again and under the lights and, and uh, want our guys to visualize them having success and, and knowing a little bit now that they know a little bit more about Lavelle and it can be a little bit more personal for them when they when they see that name on the stadium and when they play on this field. Why, why is that important for you for them to understand the legacy of BYU football? I play for the man and I love him so um, you know and, and I think that uh, the more we talk about him and get to um just let them know what kind of person he was, uh, the better that will be. So I, I think that um, we always talk about history repeating itself. I think Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat itself. It just um, it rhymes. And so hopefully we could rhyme, have it rhyme with what Lavelle did here. And being a player that was a, a captain for him on this last year and, and a guy that I, I, I just admired him. He was one of my heroes. And so um, it's just really nice for our players to get to know him and, and – uh, I think I think it meant a lot to them. You know, they you got to remember they're really young, and so it's like us, our generation, learning about Vince Lombardi. And if you don't know anything but the name, then how what kind of impact is it going to have on you when you get to play in the stadium that's named after the guy? So, uh, yeah, that's that's been really really good, and I think it's been it's been a real cool connection for our players to be connected to Lavelle. You, you mentioned a bunch of the new guys that are really stepping up and, and kind of taking big steps forward. One of those former new guys that's had a really good camp seems like is Dax Mill. How's he mm-hmm. impressed, and what's he kind of done to, to impress coaches in, in you know, Dax, his first real camp? Dax is a um, really shy guy, and um, you know, we put him in positions to speak up a little bit more and, and be in front of the team and 
and to, to have an opportunity to lead. And he is an amazing leader. You know, he's always done it by example. But it's just really nice when when uh, he can talk because he, he's a guy that came in as a freshman. Not only did he come in as a, a preferred walk-on, but he earned a scholarship. You know, and then he um, so he came in as a true freshman, played earned a scholarship and does now he can be a great example and he can give a little bit of experience to the guys that are coming in others that are in the same situation or other walk-ons and, and other guys that are, are looking at cracking the depth chart so uh, he's a great example of what we need and, and uh, I've just been really amazed with him and I'm just glad I have him for three more years of play so he's, he's a great young man and, and I'm glad that the coaches put him in a position where we can really see his potential and have, allow him to flourish as a leader you touch on this, but what's it like walking the walk, watching the walk-on journey? Dax, as an example, came in as preferred and now mm-hmm. on scholarship. But watching those guys try and fight for spots and try and earn playing time and then earn scholarships and, and go through that whole process. Well, I think it's important for us to recruit all um, all 120 spots on our team, and um, there's we're only allowed 85 scholarships, you know. So um, I think that if we can recruit the other spots and show them that they have a role and sometimes define it for them and then let them know that the potential that they can come with. Uh, we've, we've had a, a lot of guys that we put on scholarship. Um, in the past, we've kind of announced it. I just choose not to because uh, there's a lot of guys. I, I, I would dare people to just look at our team and you tell me who you think is a scholarship guy, who is a walk-on. We treat them all the same and then they don't have whether uh, they're a walk-on or a scholarship guy. If they deserve to play, they'll be on the depth chart and they'll play. And so... It's been nice having that uh, attitude and the coaches buying into that. So that's that's the way we function. And if there's a way that we can recruit from within, then we'll give a scholarship uh, to the kid that deserves it that's with us at that moment. I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I don't know your answer. Are you the kind of coach who believes defense wins championships? I think defense, offense, and special teams wins championships. And a brilliant man told me once, score more points, and then you have a good chance of winning. So I like those these simple concepts. Absolutely. Then can you just comment on your defense as a whole? Yeah, I love the defense. I mean, that's you know, it's weird because I played, I played uh, running back, and um, even though I was probably an old lineman in the backfield, you know, blocked more than I ran, but I, it was okay. I like to say that I played running back, but I. I um, I coached every position on the field except for quarterbacks, and uh, so I've had a, I've been all over the place, and and I've enjoyed my time as a defensive coordinator. That's where I really was given the opportunity to, to work with a group and, and work with the defensive unit. But I think I still think offensively, which I think helps out, you know. And so um, Ituyaki is a running back that played for me when I was coaching in Southern Utah. And he's an offensive-minded guy, so I think he does that. He just thinks the same way and. I think it kind of helps out, you know, but uh, defensively, we have to have a, a defense to build off, off of. But um, with what we're trying to do on offense, sometimes you're going to ask the defense to play more reps and they're willing to do it. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for the for the coaching staff that we have on the defensive side, be willing to just do whatever the offense can to, to score points and put them in bad situations. I think they'll, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're embracing all of it. How much competitiveness is there at defensive back? A lot, yeah. I mean, I think we have a, uh, a shifting depth chart, and a lot of it has to do with health. But for the most part, if, if guys are are deserving to play more, then they will, you know. But I, I look at our defense and the amount of time that we spent running. You're going to need more than just two corners and two safeties, and 
Um, you know, I, I like to say we wish we could play with the same four DBs the entire game, but uh, the style of football now doesn't allow you to do that very often. And so uh, we're going to have to get to our – it's not just about 11 starters anymore. We'd like to have 22, 30 on each side if we could, you know, and, and then utilize them as much as we can. But uh, I, I think the, what attracts a lot of people to our, our defense, especially the defensive backfield, is that we play a lot of young guys and we're not afraid to put them out there, even as true freshmen. Speaking of the depth chart, what position battles are still up in the air, in your opinion? It's like Groundhog's Day. Did I say all of them last time? It was like deja vu, right? <laughs> all of them. I think I said it was the same attitude. So, No, I don't know. Um, I think we'll have a depth chart on Monday, but there, there's going to be a few oars there, and it all depends on on uh, what we're trying to get done. Right, so, um, yeah, I, I, I can't really choose the ones. I think we have quite a few. We have about eight guys that can play O-line at different spots, so uh, we'll see what, what it comes down with. I think guys, guys know, kind of have an idea who's going to be the, the starters and, and who's going to get some playing time. All right, there you hear Kalani Sataki here on The Big Show. Uh, I was happy to hear that he... Uh, he doesn't think that defense wins championships. That's a tired cliche, and obviously you got to score points to win. So uh, the, the, there you have it. All right, we're still having technical difficulties down here, uh, so uh, why don't we give uh, Zach Wilson a listen from practice. Zach, talk about the scrimmage today. Uh, I thought it was a good day. Um, you know, we're just getting used to playing in this stadium, man. That's, uh, that's about it. How much progress has been made during camp for you guys? Uh, I think a ton. Um, you know, cleaning it up, getting everything installed. Um, you know, obviously repetition and prep, pre- uh, preparation makes perfect. And so um, it's been a really good camp for us so far. You had a good run with your shoulder with a lot of throws this fall camp. How's it feeling? Really good. Yeah, really good. I mean, you know, just like normal. Nothing you got to think about. So You got eight days till your first game. And it's here against Utah. How are you, how are you guys feeling about that? Exciting, man. Uh, amazing opportunity um, to be in our, our home stadium right here with our fans. And, you know, I know the guys are ready to go. I know, uh, you know we've, prepared, we've uh, prepared for this. You guys came out hot last year. How can you keep that going again this year? Yeah, just doing the same thing. Just doing the same thing. Just executing the plays one by one. You know, Zach, you mentioned pressure and that you kind of soak it in and uh, learn from it. Now that it is winding down and it is getting so close, does the pressure excite you? Does it fuel you? Or are you still just chilling? Yeah, I mean, pressure is one of those things that's always going to be there, no matter what situation you're in, especially being a quarterback. You know, there's always pressure being a quarterback. Um, And I think that's where preparation really does come in. I really think... You know, I know uh, one of these uh, sayings our coaches had is, is preparation brings swagger. And, you know, I, I completely think that's true, right? If you've been in the film room and, you know, you've been doing your job in practice and giving 100% and, and you can see that you're making plays and the team's making plays, you guys are moving the ball well, then it, it gives you that confidence and, and that pressure kind of starts to fall off. Cool. Your mom said you watched the uh, Utah game over 100 times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've watched, yeah, I've watched ours so many times. I've watched the last couple seasons tons of times. Um, just trying to get used to it. What did you learn from that experience watching that so many times? Yeah, just needing to finish. I mean, uh, I think the momentum shifted. Um, I think that's something we've got to keep on our side, especially in the second half. It's kind of how you start the second half. We didn't start the second half great. Um, I had mistakes, of course. I got to clean up, and um, that's definitely the, the goal. Have you chatted with who, who is your cousin, Julian Blackman? Yeah. What's the relation there? Um, second cousin on my dad's side of the yeah. family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, distant, but we've known each other ever since we were little and stuff. And, you know, we haven't talked since this last year. So Haven't talked since last year's game? Yeah. So, be good. 
No, no chatter in the next eight days? Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Are you guys sick of hearing about the streak? I mean, the streak's not us. I mean, I'm not too worried about it because, you know, I, I wasn't here when we lost, you know, however many games it was. But, um, you know, it's a new team, new time, new players, new coaches, all that same stuff. And so, you know, we don't really worry about the streak. Zach, having such a stellar performance in the Potato Bowl, does that at all bleed into kind of how you're feeling about your play now? Or is that kind of a thing in the past and we're just doing what we're doing in fall camp? Yeah, I mean, the West, Western Michigan game was one thing, but... Um, you know, I think I think every game, whether you play good, you play bad, you're learning things and, and you're building that confidence no matter what. You're starting to feel, you know, obviously, like everyone says, you mature and, and, and the, the more years you have under your belt, the better you start to play. And I think it's just one of those things, right? I mean, it wasn't just a Western Michigan game, but it was all seven games I played and I learned a ton. And, um, you know, you hit that in stride right into fall camp and you start to you start to learn the things in that game and you apply it to fall camp every day and, and you're taking every day of practice the same way and you're trying to get better every single day. So was it a bummer? You obviously have to have a great connection with the wide receivers, but how's your connection with the running back, specifically Tyson Williams? Really good, really good. I mean, he's a new guy. I know it's hard for him to come in here and try and make friends, especially joining, you know, late last second and all that kind of stuff. And so um, the guys have done a really good job taking him in, and he's a, he's such a cool dude, like the most respectful guy ever. And so he's awesome. We've had him over for a barbecue and stuff at the house already, and um, he's hung out with the dudes, and, uh, you know, we got all these team activities and stuff. So he's been with us, and um, he's great to have around. I think he fits in well. Was it a bummer that you didn't get to go live today when they decided to just practice pretty much? Yeah, I mean, I don't worry about that. Um, I think the quarterback, the quarterback side of the game, whether you're live or not, um, it really makes no difference to me, to be honest. Uh, you still get that same pocket feel. Um, the receivers and those guys are, you know, trying to get off their jams and their routes. A lot of it becomes a mental game for us. And, you know, it's, it's, it's weird when you get into the first game. Hitting, hitting becomes just second nature. You really don't think wow, I just got popped, and that was the first time in a whole year I haven't been hit. You know, it's kind of one of those things you, you don't realize um, it's something you haven't done for a while. PK, you heard Zach Wilson there. You think highly of this kid. You think he's going to be able to uh, blossom into a, a fine college quarterback? A star in the making is what I believe Zach Wilson is. And uh, what makes you believe that? His talent and his work ethic, what they've told me. What guys on the staff have said. What his high school people have said. I go back. And it's not necessarily, well, some of it's me, but not exclusively me by any stretch. I'm not a football genius. I mean, I know I see what I see and believe what I know. But the strength of me when it comes to any reporting is through the people who know much more than me and people who I've trusted for 20 years. And they tell me stuff. And this ability to play the game and combine with his thirst. There's really nothing else that he's interested in. He's about trying to be as good as he can be. Now, he's just a sophomore, so I don't know that he's going to take the world by storm, but I think he's going to get better and better, and I think they've got a good one. It's interesting. Austin, you've heard me talk about uh, my discussion on quarterbacking with Mike Leach. And, you know, I was waiting for him to talk about the big arm, you know, and the the accuracy. And those things were important, but they, they weren't at the top of his list. What was at the top of his list is judgment and vision and decision-making and leadership and all those kinds of things. And at first I thought he was kind of just coach talk, but the more I listened to him, the more sense it made to me. I mean, I sat here and watched uh, Ty Detmer do what he did, 
And he had none of the physical characteristics. You sat there and you watched it? Not right here. Oh. I sat and listened to Because we're at homie, and we've got Emily coming up. I didn't even know that building existed when Ty Detmer played. <laughs> no, I went, you said I sat here. I sat in front of Ty Detmer and listened oh. to what he said. And uh, thanks for bearing with us with our technical difficulties. We think we have them figured out. And as PK said, we are at homie. And uh, Emily, welcome to the show. Emily? Oh, there we go. Oh, there Hi, you thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, or thanks for coming in so that we could talk to you today. This is Absolutely, great. Absolutely, Emily. What is Homie about and why, when I go to sell my various real estate holdings, and I've got many, <laughs> why should I be getting in touch with Homie? Well, Homie is all about saving people money and doing real estate a different way. You know, things have changed over time, but real estate is one thing that hasn't, and we have finally helped that happen. So when you go to sell all of the various real estate holdings you have, we want you to keep as much <laughs> of that equity as you can, because it is your money. You've been the one paying for it. So we don't want to take, you know, 6% of your hard earned income in those homes. And so you pay us a flat fee of $1,500 when you list your home with Homie. And that's any size, any price of home. So we, on average, our our sellers save about $10,000. And so that's obviously just an average. You could save a lot more if they're those giant homes that you probably have. Oh, he's like like the Jerry Buss (laughs) of Salt Lake City. He just, uh, (laughs) you know, Gordon's home, his last name is Monson. Mm -hmm. And it compares to like a... uh, Museum in in, in oh. D.C. So they all they actually call his home the Monsonian Institute. <laughs> sure, that is awesome. Yeah, you know if, it, if it's cheaper, Emily, people yeah. wonder then. Okay, what's the downside? Is there a lack of exposure? Is there this sounds too good to be true? Yeah. Uh, uh, talk about that. Well, the cool part is it's not too good to be true. It definitely sounds that way, but you get full service for a discounted price. So you are not discounting any of the service you're going to get. You still get a yard sign, photography. You get full agent support. You still we help people sell homes four days faster than the market average because we advertise it more than a traditional agent does. We put it on Facebook and boost the ad and actually pay money to target people looking for homes like yours. Um, So you get to sell for top dollar in less time and save all of that money. And have a great experience. This while makes you're at too it. much sense. Yeah. Okay. And I you know, sometimes the things that make the most sense are the things that don't come around until somebody like Homie is brave enough to do them. Well, I'm glad somebody did. <laughs> I yeah. am too. It's it seems like the old model money. was antiquated to some extent. It is. You know, and that's been a model that's been around a long time. And, you know, if you're making so much money on one transaction, why would you want it to change? So we came around and we thought, hey, it's broken. We can help people have a good experience, sell their home, but save a lot of money. And the consumer wins. So when PK sells his uh, 10 holdings, (laughs) he can save a whole lot of money. Oh, he'll save what? Average of 10,000 per each. You will be very rich. He already is. Well, I'm rich in, in, you know, not monetarily. (laughs) So, you know, I could use a buck here and there. Yeah, we'll we'll help you save more than a buck here and there. Yeah. Emily, you have your own. Has the title company emerged? The title company is brand new. We just acquired them about a month ago. And we are helping people not only sell their home, but do the title work and do loans on new homes they want to buy. So we are a one-stop shop all the way around. 
Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. We'll be talking with you throughout the entire show. Yeah, so thanks back. for having us, Thank and uh, we'll talk with you again. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. And now that we have our technical issues all taken care of, you're going to get the best of Patrick Kinahan because he's going to argue with me about some nonsense. I don't know what, but I'm going to talk some truth, and then he's going to muddy it up with some sort of twisted point of view. So stay tuned for that. This is DJ and PK. Kurt Craig, don't you beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. You look at Utah and there's so much positivity. How much of that positivity is based on their team being really good as opposed to the South being at best average, if not worse? I think the two do come together, but from a personnel standpoint, it's almost weird how it's all lined up in 2019, especially with the NFL prospects all coming back. To go from having nine senior starters and then having all the underclassmen come back and just converge in Utah's favor in 2019 to potentially be very good. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show. I'm Gordon Monson. He is Patrick Kinahan, and all of our equipment is working now. We're fired up. We're ready to get going with the you know, show. Gordon, that's never been an issue for me. What? All my equipment working. <laughs> Here's a pill you can take for that. Or go see. Come on, come on, Andrew. Come all right, on, come on. Sorry for the bumpy starts, but we are ready to go. We're out here at Homey and having a good time, uh, ready to go through uh, all kinds of lists of uh, information for your benefit. PK, what yeah. band are we listening to here? The County Crows. The County Crows. Yes, Band of the Day brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight on LiveNation.com. Their lead singer just cut his dreads, had dreads for years and years. Dated a bunch of famous Hollywood actresses, Courtney Cox. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a Cal fan. And I like their band, his band. And first time Bronco took the Cougars to a bowl game down in Vegas. I get on the, at the Sam Boyd Stadium, I get on the elevator, and he gets on, and the two of us were on the elevator together, riding up to the press level. Just the two of you? Just the What'd two you of us. What'd you say to well, he has a song. They have a song that's called Long December. And, of course, the uh, Vegas Bowl was in December. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him and I said, it's been a long December. Did you sing it like that or did you just say And it? he immediately just started humming. Did he? And he asked for my name <laughs> and asked me what uh, record label I had. <laughs> I'm sure he did. He did. <laughs> Did you say, I'm, I'm Patrick Kinahan? I said Electra. I'm signed with Electra, mm-hmm. but I can make guest appearances if you want. Did What was the conversation really like? Neither of us said a word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say something to him. Uh, you know, I don't really get caught up in the celebrity thing, so I don't 
normally like to say anything. Yeah, it? but you don't have to say anything. You don't have to I mean, fawn just, over the I man. Just you just, just say, hey, what's happening? I like your, I listen to your music or something like that. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, brother? Shut your mouth. <laughs> have you ever had an awkward uh, elevator conversation before? I got a, I was over at the arena once, and uh, I got on the elevator, and on it was Gail Miller and Greg Miller and the commissioner. And we're we're sitting there, and everyone turns and faces the we front. We're standing there, yeah, yeah sitting there. Yeah, and uh, we're standing there, and everyone turns and faces the door. It starts going down, and that kind of awkward silence. I I said, "It's a good thing there's nobody important on this elevator." And uh, <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was a a funny little thing to say. And Adam Silver turned around, he put his hand out to shake my hand, uh, and he said, "What's your name?" <laughs> Are you going to report logical? me? You said Patrick Kinahan. I <laughs> no, wanted to know your name. That's... It's a long December. Adam High Ho Silver. Anyway, uh, so you've never had a, a, an incident on an elevator like that? I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> uh, that brings to mind something I saw after the Bulls beat the Jazz in the finals. It does? In uh, 97. Well, what they were doing on the elevator when I was waiting for the elevator and the doors opened, unmentionable. Hmm. I was shocked. Never have had that experience. Anyway, we're going to talk some college football today with Margin Hooks, uh, former BYU receiver in the 4 o'clock hour. And David Locke will join us in the 5 o'clock to talk some Utah Jazz basketball. Team USA busy against Australia, and they took care of uh, the Aussies. And uh, Donovan Mitchell with 13 points. PK, I'm sure you were glued to your TV watching every minute. I think that came on like 3.30 in the morning. It's basically exhibition basketball. So, no. Didn't watch a minute? No, I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> you get up early? Not at 3.30. That's the point. Because I do get up early, that's why I'm not up at 3.30. If I could then go back to bed, maybe, or if the game had any form of ramification outside of what soccer folk would call a friendly. I did see, it was, I was in Australia, and Joe is walking into the arena and he's being interviewed as he's walking in, and this woman is interviewing him. And she ends the interview with, well, from the bottom of my heart, I hope you do well. And then they share a smooch. What? It was his wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And when Joe gets back to the States, I'm going to tell Joe, I've interviewed a million times, and we've never ended our with interview a with a smooch. Yes. I want to be there the day you try that. You might, a smooch? He's a hugger, though. He'll hug me. Really? Yes. Like, when we go over for media day, and he'll see me uh, when, they, when they gather the day before practice starts. And so he'll, he will do that. And that's, that's basically his style. How, how many years now has uh, he been on with you and DJ? Or whatever year he's going into. Is it his fifth? Or right from the beginning? Well, it was about halfway through is when I got – because he was alone his first year – and I, and I went to a couple functions and I ended up uh, eating dinner with him. And then a couple of weeks later, something else. I don't even remember what it was. And just started talking to him. And 
Oh, I know. I know how it started. Uh, our old uh, j- uh, manager of the station, Randy Rogers, had set a thing up for me to go over and talk to all the guys, and we'd play them on the station. <clears throat> but it wasn't about basketball. I talked to him for about 15, 20 minutes. When you say all the guys. The team, the oh. players on the team. I think I did everybody except uh, Hayward and Favors. They were the stars at the time. And so I'd talk to them, and we, but we wouldn't talk about hoops. It was just other stuff. And... Trevor Booker about growing up in South Carolina and things like that and what makes him be so mellow off the court and be so ferocious on the court mm-hmm. and just their personalities. So I got to know him. And Joe, we had an instant thing there. He just started, we started talking. And plus, he didn't have to get home to a family because he was, he was Yeah, because he was here by himself at that time. Uh-huh. And it was his first year. And so he really had nowhere to go. And I may have done him last or something. I did it. I didn't do it all in the same day. It was, mm-hmm. That was set up uh, over three or four days of practice over a few weeks, and uh, so I think I might have done him at the end. And and he's just we just started talking, and he likes to talk. He liked, and plus we weren't talking. I wasn't interviewing him at that point. Mm-hmm. We're just talking, and then I end up uh, going to something that I got asked to go to, and my wife and I went, and he was sitting. We're at the same table, and he's by himself. And so we just started talking, and then it came to me. You know, the team wasn't very good at the time, and they need some publicity. And this guy is somebody who can put a good spotlight on himself and the team just because of his personality. And so I hooked up with him again. I said, would you be interested? He said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it because he's thought about, you know, what is he going to do after he gets done playing? And those are the types of guys that I love, guys who look at hoops and know that they can take it and parlay it into something else. And if they're media friendly, they tend to end up being very successful later on. I can name you a number of pro guys. Doc Rivers, when I covered the Clippers when I was working down in Los Angeles, man, he was always available, never shirked anything. And now you look at him and he got into broadcasting and then obviously went into coaching after that. And so it just went from there. And then I got to know him a little bit and, you know, exchanged some texts and whatnot. And, and he likes doing it and he's a great representative. And then he blows up to, I'd like to think I took partial credit for him and his popularity, but it was his ability to be good on the floor that made it worthwhile because it would have run its course if he was just a bench guy, because they probably would have, they usually change the end of bench guys over every couple of years. He might but, not even be on the team anymore. Right, that's what I'm saying. But because of his ability, and he started making those threes, started getting more comfortable, and so he made himself into the player that he is, and he has all this popularity in the community, and he's generally a good dude. For sure, and he and he just he likes to help people and whatnot. And because I would go to uh, my neighbors would play high school basketball, and I'd go to their games, and I'd look at the program, and you'd see favorite player Joe Ingles. And I once asked him off the side, Joe, I mean, how is it these you're you're from half a world away, and you're now these kids' favorite players? And what does that mean to you? You know, and he just he's humbled, of course, and all that stuff. So it just blossomed from there. I hope he wants to do it again this year. It's up to him, not us. We certainly would love to have him do it. The thing that impresses me about that whole arrangement, PK, is the fact he never misses. No, he committed to something. Yeah, and he does it every single week. How many times he's missed? Like once, right? I think he's missed twice in the five years. That's amazing. Yeah. It's usually right around the All-Star game if he's getting out of town. 
at the all-star break. I mean, you know, depending on where they are the night before and blah, 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 but that's it. That's huh. it. He's done it. And it doesn't matter if they win by 30 or get waxed by 30. Yeah. I think our listeners have really come to expect and enjoy listening to Joe and uh, so good on you, DJ and PK, every morning from 6 to 10. And the Joe Ingles show, he's on at what time generally? Well, if all things being equal, it's 9 o'clock on Thursdays. But obviously with their NBA schedule, that has to fluctuate. So either sometimes it'll be a Wednesday, mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be a Friday. All right. All right, coming up on the big show, we will talk some BYU-Utah football. What realistic possibilities do you give BYU What's our best shot at victory here? We'll talk about that in the 4 o'clock. We'll have uh, Margin Hooks, a former receiver for the Cougars. I'll tell you about Diamond Airport parking. They've got fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle services, detail, oil changes, and glass repair while you are away. Diamond Airport with the best rewards program in Utah. Only airport valet service in Utah. Park, ride, and save just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Diamond Airport parking. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. How much pressure is there on BYU in this game? All of the pressure. They've lost eight in a row. When you're on the other side of an eight and O streak, the pressure's on you. It's time for BYU to step up and make this rivalry competitive again in the win and loss column. Think competitive in the game, but eight in a row, the pressure's all on you to go change it. Yes, most of it is. There are people who are tired of this. Young BYU fan has never seen it happen. In your 20s BYU fan, they were pretty young and didn't realize that it wouldn't happen for a long time. Then you have older BYU fan, BYU was the dominant program. And they could never envision a decade like this. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Just tapping his toe here. <laughs> so I got to explain this. So we're having technical dilty. We're at homie, and we're in one of their conference rooms, and there's just three of us. There's, we'll just call him Nate for now, and Gordon and myself. And so we're having technical difficulties. So Gordon is calling him Nate all this time, and he's he Nate is we'll call him Nate, and he's busy trying to get everything squared away. And Austin is back at the studio giving him instructions through the headsets. And he's Austin is calling Nate by his right name, which is Alex. And, and so there's just the three of us in the room. And Gordon looks at Alex and says, are you Alex? Well, who else was going to be Alex? There's only three people in the room and you know my name. Well, I thought it might have been like a nickname or something. I don't know. I thought somebody called Nate. Nate yesterday. <laughs> he's not Nate. I know. No, I, wonder, he ever I, wondered, been I wondered why Alex was being so unresponsive <laughs> to what I was saying. It's because I was calling him Nate. Is that your middle name? 
<laughs> no, nothing. No, jeez, you dope. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> anyway, thanks for it's helping. Like when you sat Alex. down at a Shit. wedding across from uh, Jimmer and said, "Hi, I'm Gordon Monson, and you are." <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't get a good look at him. So I just saw those three years you covered him weren't enough, huh? <laughs> Alex, not Nate. I know. I got that straight. <laughs> All right, coming up at the 4 o'clock, we will talk about I, – I, I wrote a column of six big issues to be answered or solved uh, during the BYU-Utah game. Who comes games. up with six? It's either five or ten. <laughs> How'd you get six? Because I was going to do five, but then right. but but then I, I had another one I wanted to put in there. So well, I said, what the hell? Make it six. What's the matter with that? Too long. Unconventional Once you get thinking. to 20 inches, cut it off. <laughs> Pika, Pika, too long. Pika used to be an editor at the Tribune. You can see why writers. Nobody's going to be like reading that. all that stuff. <laughs> Are you insulting the reader's ability to read? I'm in saying that they've got busy lives and they don't have the time. <laughs> and studies have shown anything beyond twenty, you're wasting not, your time. That's not true. It's too true. Man, when I wrote for the L.A. Times, they used to it's do like these huge, huge takeouts. Big deal. Doesn't mean anybody's reading them. <laughs> oh, wow. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm telling you what studies have shown. Anything over 20. Well, then why, why they have me write so I have no idea. I can't answer out. that. I'm just telling you what the studies show. <laughs> Anything over 20, you're getting it. And if it goes from what they call the jump from one page to another, there's very little chance they're actually going to do it. Every, That's why USA Today does every, that. I know, but every, everybody jumps these days. I haven't I read don't. a paper in 100 years, so I have no idea. Uh, so if, if I'm looking at it, it's going to be online where there's no such thing as a jump. So I don't, jump is a, is a dinosaur term now. But, yeah, you can write for hours and hours as long as you want. But I'm just telling you what the studies show. If you want to believe it, great. If you don't, that's fine, too. I just I, I don't like anybody who used to be an editor saying it has to be 20 inches when it's a compelling story. It's a compelling story. Right, but but when did you ever think, boy, I'm writing trash? You, everything you write you think is compelling. That's why you're doing it. Well, I, I made a – you just you just told me that what I did for the majority of my career, nobody read. No, I didn't. I said Because everything I write is over 20 inches. I'm, not, I'm just telling you what the industry studies show. I'm not making a value judgment on that. So maybe there are exceptions. Of course. Okay. Right. All right, uh, we'll just get this one bit of information out there. Lavelle Edwards Stadium is all spruced up now for the big game, PK. Good. Um, how do you rank Lavelle's Stadium down there? Uh, you've, been the to, you've been to all the different stadiums around it's the country. beautiful. How do you rank that, and how do you rank Rice-Eccles? Oh, Rice-Eccles, my gosh. The problem is they play all these games Saturday night at 8 o'clock when it's dark. And there's no character when it's dark because you can't see anything because you can just see the field. But <clears throat> uh, was it uh, two years ago, the Sun Devils came up and played. They got an afternoon game. And I know a lot of the Arizona media. And one of my – I actually went to high school with him. Uh, he ranked the stadiums in the conference. And he put Rice Eccles at number one because he was up here – Twice. The day. <laughs> yes, exactly. It wasn't 8.30 at night. So you got the mountain view that you look over to the Wasatch and Mount Olympus and down there. Then you turn around and you got the Salt Lake in the background. Come on. That's spectacular. Yeah. I remember Keith Jackson once ranked uh, uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium at that time. It was Cougar Stadium back in the day as one of the top 
I, I can't remember the exact phraseology. I think he said uh, one of the top ten most beautiful settings in college sure. football. I would put Utah a little bit better because they've had the remodel of the press box, so it's huge. They have banquets there. They have weddings there, and it's so roomy. Down in Provo, it's a little bit more condensed because it's older. And so it's it's very nice because you do have the Utah Lake, and then you've got the mountains right there, right on top of you. And Weber State, Utah State, yeah, yeah, they're all gorgeous. This is a very I've I've actually come to love the mountain views, and what Utah has to offer for somebody who never didn't go to school here, had never spent any time here. When I first came here, what am I doing here? Why did I take this job? I don't know anybody here. Uh, people at the Tribune were all jealous of me and they hated me, and so that sucked. And I came, left for a bunch of great group of guys down in California. But the beauty, the scenic beauty of the area is really sensational. And anybody who thinks Colorado is better is an absolute friggin' idiot. Emily, you're not from Colorado, are you? No. Oh, good. Emily here is from homie. I mean, Denver sucks compared to this area. It's not even close. So, to anybody from the front range. That's very sophisticated analysis there. All right. We do have uh, Emily from Homey here. Uh, Thanks for letting us broadcast from your headquarters. Yeah, thanks for showing up. Love having you guys here. This is super fun. Absolutely. You know, I'm looking over all this stuff that they sent me on Homey. Mm -hmm. These billboards are hysterical. Who created those? Was <laughs> well, you? Thanks. I wish I could take credit. I can't. Most of mine don't even make it up there. So we have a great team of super funny people that come up with those billboards and they really catch people's attention. Most of the time when we've asked people how they've heard of us, it's our billboards. Now, th- did it start in Utah? Yes, we are a Utah-based company. Because... I'm from Arizona, and I know it's really taken off down there. Yes, so we launched Arizona, I think we've been a year now, and so we've really taken off in Arizona too. But we're Utah, Arizona right now, and then hopefully in more states coming up soon. What are the key points, Emily, that you want our listeners to know about uh, the advantages of going through Homie? Yeah, should I do six of them, not five or ten, but six? (laughs) No, it's way too long. (laughs) You can take do whatever you want. No, you're good. Key advantages are that we save you money. I think that's really the biggest advantage and why we get so many people to use us is we really are saving people real money that they wouldn't have saved otherwise um, that goes back in their pocket. And then another key advantage is that we're helping people sell their homes super fast. Um, When we're helping people buy homes, we're giving them money back. So if they buy a home that has commission available, we're refunding up to $5,000 to go towards closing costs. So we save you money there too. Um, Also how easy it is. Our agents and realtors are all focused on the experience that they give the customer, not just the bottom dollar and getting the home sold or getting them into a home. And so really people have a great uh, pressure-free experience whether buying or selling. Best to go to homie.com to reach you? Yeah, that's the best place. We're available through chat, phone calls, email. We're always available, ready to help you answer questions and get those homes bought and sold. H-O-M-I-E.com. Yep. All right, we'll be talking with you, Emily, all day long. Thanks for uh, inviting us in and uh, we'll... Talk with you in just a little while. All right, coming up next, we have Margin Hooks, former BYU receiver. And Margin has always been, how should we say it, PK, unafraid to speak his mind. So we'll talk with him. David Locke in the 5 o'clock hour. Stay with us.